The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you've always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside of your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business with Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. What makes a successful entrepreneur? Part one. Did you know 65% or more of all startups fail within three years, usually because the entrepreneur forgot the leadership side of running a business? They know their market, they know their sales propositions, they know their cash flow needs, but they don't know how they themselves, their actions in particular, have a huge impact on the success or failure of their business. What we do know from research into entrepreneurship is that there are four critical leadership factors for success. The first factor is mindset, the ideas and attitudes with which a person interprets and responds to situations can make or break his or her success. Here are three key entrepreneurial competencies. Rate yourself on each one. The first, independent-minded. Often entrepreneurs act on their own hunches and push boundaries rather than follow guidelines or get approval for their actions. How comfortable are you thinking outside the lines and challenging the tried and true? Number two, risk tolerant. Without personal and probable financial risk taking, there is no entrepreneurship, but it's a calculated risk based on possibilities, not certainties. How willing are you to go out on a limb and make decisions based on guesstimates? And number three, optimism. When starting or growing your own business, you'll have many difficult days. For example, finding resources, recruiting talent, implementing the business plan. 
How confident are you that you will not just survive, but thrive in challenge? Listeners, do you have the mindset to be a successful entrepreneur? A simple assessment, the Entrepreneur Edge Profile, can tell you if you do. Want to find out? Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Next week, Marcia's Musings will look at the success factor number two, self-management. You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program is on the entrepreneurial journey is going from IT leader to grease guy to biodiesel entrepreneur. My guest is Walter Dobson who, after a successful 25-year run in the IT industry, decided to turn a hobby into a new career. While still a corporate guy, he began collecting used fryer oil after work from a local restaurant and made biodiesel at home to fuel his vehicles. Intrigued by the business side of biodiesel and the staggering number of businesses that were short-lived, he decided to research the cause of so many failures. He found that there was a lack of maturity in the fledging industry and the failure of most to have an integrated business model. So in 2001, when fuel prices were rising, he decided to take the leap and started American BioSource, a full-service waste cooking grease recycling company. We are going to hear a fascinating story of how Walter is building a viable business from a hobby, then seeing a need, and then seizing on an opportunity. Welcome, Walter. It's a delight to have you on the Business Edge. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be on the, on the show with you. Well, let's, you know, um, let's just give the listeners a little synopsis of your business. So tell me about your business and why did you start it and and, and what makes it unique? Okay, well, um, we recycle waste fryer grease from restaurants, from thousands of restaurants, all across Texas and Oklahoma and Arkansas and Louisiana. And we take this fryer grease and we convert it chemically into biodiesel, which is the only recognized alternative fuel to diesel fuel uh, available. Mm-hmm. This is a completely viable, no conversion necessary fuel that is a huge reduction in total carbon emissions coming out of the vehicles that burn it, and it's better for the vehicles in general. Uh, I started this business because I believe in renewable energy. I believe in biodiesel a great deal, and I started, as you said in the intro, as a hobby. Um. Uh, over the past uh, eight years, as petroleum prices have gone up and up and up, it kind of urged me to do something about it, and I wanted to do something, so I started making my own fuel. And in 2011, I took the leap um, out of the IT world and said, I'm going to do this full-time and try to create a viable biodiesel company. But first, I needed to create a grease recycling company that could have control over the feedstock to produce the biodiesel, mm-hmm. so having the the uh, inventory coming in and having control of my own inventory. And that's where we are today. We've created the, we've created the inventory control by 
having thousands of restaurants that support our program all throughout Texas, and we have a viable biodiesel plant that's going online this year. And, you know, this is so fascinating because you're the first person I have interviewed with this kind of business. So I'm taking furious notes because I really don't know that much about it. Um, uh, So... Uh, one other question, because I do want to, you know, get into what you find what you find so interesting about this and satisfying. But do you have much competition? Are there other companies doing the same thing you're doing? It depends on what side of the business you're talking about. The grease recycling, <laughs> we have tremendous competition. It's mm. a very low cost of uh, entry business to get into, but it's also very low margin. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people out there who can buy a truck and go around, talk to a few restaurants, pick up some grease and sell it to a company like my company mm-hmm. and make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biodiesel side, there's not so much competition. There are plenty of biodiesel plants that exist, but the demand for biofuel exceeds the ability for us to produce it and or for any comp- anyone to produce it. And so um, there's a lot less competition. In fact, I've found most of the biodiesel plants have spoken with to be very friendly and open and helpful in encouraging others to, you know, take on this adventure. And, you know, listeners, I said this in my introduction, uh, that Walter, um, you know, it was a hobby. Um, he researched it, he saw opportunity, and he made the leap. And uh, this is what this program is about, which is, you know, what can we learn from people who are doing this? So let's move on to, first of all, what do you find most satisfying in owning your own business since you were a corporate guy for maybe over 25 years? Well, corporate definitely has its benefits. It has benefits, for one. Uh, it also has uh, a sense of stability because you're generally with a much larger organization and you normally get a nice budget that you can work with. As an entrepreneur, you start with nothing. You know, you start taking from your own savings in order mm-hmm. to get started, and you go extended periods of time without uh, the things you need, the income and um, the support group that you really w- would need. But what I find really um, satisfying about this is the people that I work with, the restaurants, helping them, seeing the satisfaction that they have, knowing that they're serviced and taken care of having control of that service level, being able to define how my people operate, working with my folks and providing them a job. There's nothing like being in a room with 10 other people and knowing in your heart that you are taking care of 10 different families. That is, when you get to that point, we go from having no employees at all, it was just me and my business partner hitting the street, talking to restaurants, and then now we have 10 employees and I can look at their faces and I know their families, I know their children, that's huge. And then know that what we're doing, we're not just trying to make a dollar, and that's mm-hmm. important. You have to stay viable as a business, but we're also trying to help the environment and our community and our country as a whole try to, to come off of petroleum fuels. So right. I feel good about that. We're doing something positive all the way around. Right, and so it's it's a personal satisfaction, but it's also knowing that you're doing good uh, for your either community or for your nation or whatever it is. So let's move on to, um, because we talked about satisfaction, but you know, um, starting and growing a business requires more than a business plan. Uh, what were the top three challenges in getting your business off the ground? Probably the the top three challenges most businesses face 
Well, first off, we didn't buy into a business. We started from the ground up. We didn't have uh, an income stream when we began the business. So we had to put in our own money. There was no bank that was going to loan us money initially because we had zero. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started out with our own funds and proving the proof of concept. And then we went out and um, we started to grow. And there was such a demand as we went out and we started talking to restaurants, we realized that not only was the biodiesel industry uh, was immature at the time and was having its own problems, the grease recycling business, it's been around for a hundred years, but it also is kind of immature in a lot of ways. And the, the companies that are out there doing it, uh, for the most part, most of them, not, there's a few large ones that are quite sophisticated. Most of them are so unsophisticated that the market was begging for somebody to come in with accurate data tracking and quick response times and really customer service focused. And we went out there and talked to a few people and the demand quickly exceeded our ability to service the clients. We didn't have the capital to set up new accounts. We had to just kind of stop. So I went out and I got a loan. I went to the Small Business Development Center. Mm-hmm. I worked with a woman out there who helped me build my develop, uh, my business plan. Her name was Deborah, and uh, she was excellent. We put together a business plan. Uh, it was like 80 pages long. It was quite large. It was larger than most because I'm, I'm a corporate guy. So I took all that corporate <laughs> experience and I plugged it into mountains of paper. And I went out and I talked to about 40 different banks and only two of them would talk to me. And mm. at the end of the day, one of them loaned, loaned us $250,000 to buy equipment and uh, get the project running. And so, you know, that was the first challenge, which is a challenge for every entrepreneur, um, which is getting the cash to start a business or whatever. You can borrow it. You can go to family. What was a, a second um, challenge that you had? I know staffing is always a big problem. Um, getting the right people on board, we made some really bad choices uh, early on. Uh, we started out with friends. Friends worked really well. And then when we ran out of friends who could come in and help us out, we started reaching out to, you know, uh, anyone we could find. You know, we'd go out on Craigslist and post ads and bring someone in. If they were interested, we'd probably hire them because this is a manual labor job going out and collecting grease from restaurants. And um, as we would buy assets, we'd buy um, vehicles, they would tear them up. They would destroy them uh, piece by piece. And I, I didn't understand how somebody could destroy a vehicle in one day uh, in, such, you know, in such a way, but they managed to do it. And it turned out it was the people. Uh, we weren't taking enough time vetting the people that we were hiring. It's a really important process to, to really spend the time and know the people that you're bringing into your organization, check their references uh, so they don't. They don't, uh, when they're all alone, they don't tear stuff up. Right. And um, other challenges you had in starting the business? Um, you talked about financial, you talked about staffing. Um, any others? Oh, there's, there's a long list we could go on with, uh, with challenges starting the business. Um, uh, most of them stem from, uh, from, from funding, no matter how you look at it. You know, you're mm-hmm. trying to reach out to clients. How do you build a sales force that reaches out and touches thousands of restaurants or thousands of folks across the state? Um, it all boils down to money because you have to hire someone or do it yourself. And if you can't do it yourself, you can't reach every single city in the in the state. You're not gonna you're not gonna make those sales. You're not gonna sign those people up. 
and that was a big challenge for us. Um, but then even once we did, we, we did uh, build a small sales force. At one time, I had six different salespeople working for us, and we were growing extremely fast. We had the money from the SBA, and um, we were growing leaps and bounds. And then we started growing so fast that we ran through all the cash. And it was great. We had revenue coming in now. But we reached a point where we had to actually stop and say, you know what? I can't set these accounts up. I have to let them go. I have to let them go on to someone else. I have to recommend them to a competitor because we didn't have the capital to go buy containers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we realigned and we came up with a strategy where we would um, build up an inventory. We would build up cash uh, reserves and we would kind of market at a more sustainable pace. So we don't, we don't go out and look for that many accounts as fast as we used to. Uh, back then, 40 accounts a month for us was really fast. Now we can take on about 100 accounts a month, and we're still just as viable. Well, you know, we're bigger now, too. Right. And um, having uh, interviewed quite a few entrepreneurs now on the business edge, um, it, the, one of the common themes um, is just from what you're talking about first, the finances and getting the capital and the staffing. But the other is when you ramp up too fast, either because, you know, you're getting more customers in or um, sometimes an investor may want you to ramp up too fast and then you have to and you, you have to slow down. And as you said, you may have to let go of some customers or or at least step back. So, you know, um, you know, just real quickly, because we're going to take a short break. Uh, you talked about where you are today. Um, can you give just a little snippet of where you want to be three to five years from now, and then we'll pick it up uh, uh, during the second segment. So quickly, where do you want to be three three to five years? Well, three to five years from now, um, I see us being drastically larger than we are right this minute. Um, our biodiesel plant is going to be our uh, leaping board or into the future. So it has the ability to scale much more quickly than the grease recycling side of the business. And it should enable us to open up the floodgates for growth. Um, and I want to become a uh, innovator in the biodiesel production industry. So there are a lot of cutting edge technologies out there and having a technology background, that's what excites me. I want to see us use new technologies to process more types of greases into biodiesel than what we're capable of doing today. Well, on that note, it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Walter Dobson, talking about her journey going from IT leader to grease guy to biodiesel entrepreneur. In the next segment, Walter will continue talking a little bit about, you know, where he wants to be for three to five years, and then get into the nitty-gritty of some leadership issues as you grow your business. So, you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America business channel stay tuned from the boardroom to you voice america business network there's a saying if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always gotten are you satisfied with what you're getting are you ready to get something different to get the business edge bring marcia zidal the smart moves author and professional speaker to your next meeting conference or retreat what you get is more than just stories and motivation marcia delivers big ideas with big impact to fast track your business and your leadership schedule your next keynote or presentation now at marcia m-a-r-c-i-a at smartmovescoach.com 
Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zidal. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at SmartMovesCoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized company build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses, those that matter and do well. My guest today is Walter Dobson talking about his journey going from IT leader to grease guy to biodiesel entrepreneur. At the end of that uh, segment, I asked uh, Walter, uh, where do you want to be three to five years from now? And he said he wanted to be, as you said, Walter, on the cutting edge of biodiesel production. So um, tell uh, the listeners a bit about your plans to grow or expand um, moving in that direction. Okay, great. Um, So right this minute, our biodiesel plant is just on the cusp of launching its operation. So... We are just um, producing our first batches of biodiesel that this plant has produced in over seven years. So when you talk about growth and where you plan to be in the next three to five years, the first part is I have this wonderful state-of-the-art biodiesel plant that was built by uh, an excellent biodiesel uh, developer, a DOT or um, Department of Defense quality equipment. And um, I need to get that up and running and producing biodiesel at a very large rate. That's by itself is exciting, at least to me. Um, we should be producing over 3 million gallons a year, and depending on how hard we push things, you know, 8, 10, 15, 20 million gallons a year can potentially come through this plant. Um, but with that said, there's a lot of greases and oils out there that we can't accept. Um, there's grease trap grease that goes inside the ground that's oftentimes mixed with 
cleaning supplies and water, and it smells horrible. Um, but that's a grease that ends up in landfills or um, gets uh, shipped out of the country in other uses. And that grease can be produced into biodiesel as well using a, a fairly new innovative solution called enzymatic biodiesel. And that's where I'd like to start uh, among all the many different technologies I'd like to look into for the future. But enzymatic biodiesel is really exciting and kind of funny because it's uh, an enzyme, which if you don't know what an enzyme is, it's all of us have enzymes in our stomachs to help us uh, process food into the chemicals we need for our bodies. Uh, but you could think of it like a bug. It's not a bug, but think of it like a bug that eats oil and makes fuel out of it. So it spits out fuel. And so this I think- bug can just go through and eat up all the fuel, all the oil, and produce fuel out of it. And it can use the nastiest, nastiest stuff. And that's what I want to see our plant use in the future. Well, you know, you put it in terminology that I, as a non-technical person, can understand, which is as a bug that eats the oil and makes the fuel. So, um, and, and, I, and I, I get the sense that you are very much into the environment, and, and that's, you know, you want to do well in terms of, of course, you want a profitable business, but you want to do good too. So your business is really uh, an outgrowth of those two things. So I would like to move on um, to something that I'm very interested in because of my background, which is that um, entrepreneurs face a variety of leadership issues when they move from a startup venture to a more established uh, business. So we're going to, I'm just going to ask you a couple of areas that I have seen where um, um, entrepreneurs or startups that are that are moving, that these are some of the issues that they face. For example, hiring the right talent. Um, you talked a bit about that earlier, about you know hiring the wrong people or the people who didn't work out. So um, what are you looking for today, and how are you going to identify them, um, and not only for today, but f- for the future? It's a great question. Um, we're constantly looking for uh, new route drivers. That's the one position that is the most physically demanding. And as we grow our business and get more and more accounts and more trucks, we're constantly needing people with a CDL, uh, commercial Class A driver's license and a good driving record. Um, but we're also looking to expand our management team. Um, I've yet to uh, fully identify a number two person. A lot of companies they'll have, you know, you've got the leader of the organization and then you have the number two who, uh, if the leader's out, takes care of everything else. And yeah. establishing that person is is very difficult when you're on a small budget. I'm sure I could go out to corporate America and find a six-figure hero to come in and be my number two guy, and we would just knock things out wonderfully. But if you don't have the revenue to pay a six-figure salary, you're never going to get that guy. So I have yet to figure out exactly how to find that leader and the budget to pay for that leader. But that's one of the things that I'm working on. I just got finished with um, the Goldman Sachs 10K program where uh, there's a small business development class to help as a business leader myself develop my skills. And in that, it really focused in on the fact that I didn't have that number two person and I need to establish that position quickly. 
Right. And in one of the prior uh, entrepreneurs that I've interviewed who came out of the Goldman Sachs uh, program, um, his realization was that, um, you know, he was wearing two hats. He was a business development going out. He was also operations as the business grew. And he finally realized that his skill sets and his interests was much more the business development. And he hired an operations guy to deal with the nitty gritty day to day operations. So, Right, and that's something you may want to think about, as well as those listeners out there, um, because that number two guy, you, you have to determine what exactly do you want that number two guy to be able to do. Have you figured that out yet, you're <laughs> nailed, Walter? You're nailing it right on the. You're nailing it right on the head. Um, I do think it is that that operations person, the one who can deal with the fires, the one who can optimize the operation so that they're really focusing in on the details. Whereas myself, I'm wearing so many hats that, you know, if I can get 80% covered, I'm feeling really good about myself. That other 20%, it's just going to go in the gutter someplace because there's, there's somebody else has to take it or it's going to be missed. Um, so yeah, you're, you're nailing that on the head. And the other thing I would say is the 80-20, that may be well now, but it may have to be 60-40, you know, letting that second, that number two person take over even more, um, or, you know, down the line, and let's move on, that you will have a management team, not just a number two person, but s- several others on your team who um, you would need to to um, define, you know, what the roles and responsibilities are. So the, putting that on, um, have you thought about and have you already done it, you know, putting together a, a building a management team? Um, what are you, where are you now and where do you think you'll be going? Well, you know, um, as, as we grow, uh, as a manufacturing company, um, manufacturing companies aren't really uh, uh, strong or heavy in, ma- in management team. However, I am building a management team. I have a wonderful dispatch manager and an, a wonderful plant manager, and they, those, they take care of um, the day-to-day uh, details as it goes to you know, plant operations or mm-hmm. dispatching and customer service for the staff. I really lack in the area of more the the corporate type things, you know, the the um, someone to handle the sales and marketing, someone to handle the business processes, someone to deal with the HR things. Um, I have an accounting uh, a bookkeeper who is outstanding, who uh, you know kind of acts as my um, you know my accounting department, and um, lacking in that area of, of not having that second person to take on all the responsibilities that I have because I am. Completely overwhelmed with uh, growing the business, expanding it as fast as we have is that alone is a full time job, and then dealing with mechanical issues and, mm-hmm. and uh, client issues and accounting issues and hiring new employees um, is is daunting, very daunting. Um, policies and procedures and operational controls. Um, you know, as a small company, you can get by without mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. being documented. But mm-hmm. as you get to the size that we are, you realize quickly that you need to have every single step of the way documented. And while we have right. a lot of documentation started, we don't have enough. And mm-hmm. somebody's got to create it. Um, it's either mm-hmm. me creating it or some operations person who's an expert at it. So, like, my plant manager is currently working on plant pro- processes and procedures. And my dispatch manager is implementing the processes and procedures that I've given her to implement um, but boy, I can use some help. 
Well, I think, again, you nailed the, the, uh, another a, a key challenge, which is as you grow, two things that I'm hearing. As you grow, um, I, I, ta- I use the term you're moving from seat of the pants to feet on the ground. And the feet on the ground is developing those policies and procedures um, so that there's consistency within your operations and consistency in terms of a customer service. And the other thing that you may want to think about and maybe uh, react to is the because the people you who are on board now um, are they do they have the skill sets to grow with you or are you going to have to find other people who are more skilled in in managing um, the different parts of a growing business uh, your thoughts on that you know I I hear it, and I understand exactly what you said, and I think that um, um, when it comes to, you know, growing, you know, you can't go from here to there with the same processes that got you there in the first place. You know, you have to change and adapt, Um, and I guess as time goes, you know, we'll see how each person either evolves and grows with the company, and if, if those who can't evolve and grow then, you know, I would have to make that really difficult call and, and move to a different person. But um, my heart tells me I would, I would much rather see the people that I have grow and develop with me than to um, just change them out. Right. Um, and that's something I think that will be, a ma- that's an, a major decision that uh, entrepreneurs make, which is to keep the people that, that you started with, are they going to grow with you? Um, if you want to keep them, will you give them the training and the mentoring to grow with you, or is it better to bring someone on new? So, you know, that's something to keep thinking about. But now I want to move forward because part of leadership is you as an individual, you as an entrepreneur, um, are growing or having greater responsibilities in terms of leadership, um, whether leading others, dealing with suppliers, dealing with a whole range of uh, new people or more people. So thinking about your leadership and some since you came from a corporate career and you were a leader there, um, have you had to make changes in your leadership style? Very much so. Um, both uh when I learned to become a leader, it was actually through the military. Mm-hmm. And going into corporate America, um, I tried to apply a lot of that military training. and actually worked really well. Um, but I had to soften that military training down for corporate America quite a bit. But as an entrepreneur, I've had to soften my leadership skill even further. Um, because it's a very important that I have a cohesive team that works together. So I, I become more of a parent it feels at times than, than the boss, right? I'm definitely not the boss. I am the leader and mentor and guide and teacher to the people that work for me. Mm-hmm. When I was in corporate America, I was the boss. I was mm-hmm. the leader of the department and you did what I needed you to do or I found somebody who could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the entrepreneurial world, you've got five people, let's say, you know, that, that can do a particular job. I think we're up to like 10 right now. Um, but when you're small, you can't just let somebody go um, because they're not doing the job the way you told them to do it the first time unless it's a gross negligence. You need to coach mm-hmm. that person. You need to help them along. If they even have a, uh, half the skill set they need to do that job, 
you've got someone who's dedicated and wants to be there. They're just not doing it right. So teach them, mentor them, guide them, and grow them to do that job. Or don't hire them in the first place. Um, that's kind of where I found myself to be is I made my mistakes early on hiring the wrong people, and I've gotten those people all out of the organization, and I've brought in mm-hmm. all new people. And the new people have gone through a much more rigorous interview process because once I, once I have you in, t- in the organization, I don't have time to retrain somebody. I, I'm the only person that can retrain them on 80% of the processes in the company. So if they're gone, there's not a backup to back up my dispatch manager. I'm the backup. If there's, I have somebody to back up my bookkeeping because I have a CPA and an office manager. They can, those three people can work together. But if something happens to my plant manager, I'm the backup. So it's very it, limited resources in a small company like this. Right. And it also says if something happens to you, it's something to think about. Who's your backup? That's why you're talking about having a, a, um, bringing a, a second number two. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you really hit the nail on the head when you two things that came across very, very, very uh, well, which is uh, the difference between being in corporate America and being the boss. And then when you're a small company, um, it, it's a, a different role. It's a, uh, and you're more, you're, you know, losing someone in corporate America may not be the, may not be a tragedy, but losing in a, a team of five or ten people that can be a real critical uh, challenge for you. Um, so you know, just um, besides um, you know what you've talked about, are there other things that you have found challenging in terms of of uh, leading a company um, and being the, the the entrepreneur versus being in corporate America? Goodness, um, everything's more challenging uh, in corporate America. You know, one thing that's better about being an entrepreneur than in corporate America is while there's always politics in anything that you do. You, as being the leader of the organization, we're, I'm not exposed to as much politics, which is great. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There still is among my employees. There'll still be a little bit of um, positioning in, in any organization, um, but the culture that's uh, driven, I can help guide that, and I don't have to. Uh, you know, my employees don't have to suffer with some of the things that I had to deal with in the past in, in corporate America. Um, that's a big benefit. And I think, you know, we just have a, a minute or so left that you, you brought up a very good point because when you, as the entrepreneur, as the, the, the business owner, you have the ability to develop the culture that you want, that you feel will be successful for the company you're growing. And I think that is really an important point about uh, what what a uh, entrepreneur needs to think about, which is, you know, the corporate culture. So um, I'm going to leave it at this point because it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Walter Dobson talking about his journey of going from IT leader to grease guy to biodiesel entrepreneur. In the next segment, um, Walter will uh, focus on some of his lessons learned in this entrepreneurial journey and some words of wisdom that he would like to pass on to all those out there who are in the midst of that journey or are thinking about that journey. You're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. Markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zidal, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest today is Walter Dobson, and he's been talking about his journey of going from IT leader to grease guy to biodiesel entrepreneur. And so we're at the point where... Um, you know, we've been talking uh, the last segment about leadership and what it takes to move from a startup to a more established business. So, uh, Walter, in your experience of, of actually going through this journey, what are the uh, three of the leadership lessons you've learned so far? In other words, what might you have done differently or what, are, what might you have done the same? That's a pretty broad question. Um, so, things I would have done differently, um, I'm learning actually, we just acquired a company in Austin, Diesel Green Fuels. They're a, a wonderful uh, grease recycler and distributor of biodiesel. And I come from an IT background, so you wouldn't expect this from me, but in the grease business, I completely discounted social media as a viable or necessary means to reach out to restaurants and uh, potential clients. I thought, well... Now, B2B, it's not quite that strong through social media, so I'm just going to go, you know, make phone calls, emails, and and knock on the doors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've learned through uh, this acquisition, they had a fairly strong social media presence. They have a great story that uh, appeals well to the community. And um, 
I really learned my lesson. I made a mistake. I should have uh, jumped on the social media bandwagon from the beginning, and I would have probably been 30% larger than I am today uh, just from, from that, and it would have cost a lot less. So that's, that's definitely one area that I, I literally learned this lesson last month. And <laughs> even though 25 years in IT and I've worked with people running social media programs before, I don't know why I didn't think about it. I just I discounted it completely. It was a mistake. Um, another lesson I learned, which is completely unrelated, it's a trucking business um, a lesson I learned. First of all, I'm an IT guy. That's my, my claim to fame is, uh, you know, my, my, my schooling. I'm not a trucker, and when I started the business, I didn't even realize that I was getting into the trucking business. I thought <laughs> I was getting into the biodiesel business. But when you buy a bunch of trucks, and those trucks run around all over the place, and they pick stuff up, that's a trucking business. And it, it took me almost two years before I realized it. I realized it because I was spending as much or more money than a trucking company should on repairs. And I went out and I purchased used equipment that we could afford to buy. And uh, I learned a very costly lesson, and that is that I should be buying newer equipment or brand new equipment. And so moving forward, I would recommend to an entrepreneur, don't buy headaches from other people. And that's exactly what I did. Mm. I purchased the headaches from a bunch of other people. And thank goodness I have an excellent plant manager who just so happens to be a mechanic because without him, I would have spent even more money on repairs and maintenance. Uh, a good example is our very first truck we bought, we bought it for pennies. It was $12,000. The truck was worth 25000 the day we bought it, and it ran great for the first two years. Then after that, it started to break down. Like Every month, we'd have a little problem here, a little problem there, $1,000, $2,000 here and there. Mm-hmm. I added it up over four or five years, and it was $95,000 I spent on this $12,000 truck to repair it. <laughs> I could have bought a brand new, beautiful, with warranty vehicle and not had to worry about it at all had I done that in the first place. Now, granted, we didn't have any cash flow or revenue to start with, mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm, can kind of justify mm-hmm. the risk or the direction we took, but in hindsight, I, could, I spent as much money as a brand new truck in less time than it takes to pay it off. So um, just in repair and maintenance, plus the time I lost um, in employee time, reaching out and servicing clients, as well as any disruption that could have happened with a client. So that's a lesson I learned. Um, right. And do you have a third one quickly? <laughs> uh, you know, we've beat the third one to death, and that is uh, hiring properly, right. picking the right people to join the team. That was my third point I was going to bring. Right. So, um some really good lessons learned. Um, so what advice would you or words of wisdom would you give to entrepreneurs in starting or growing a business? Maybe some just quick do's and don'ts. Quick do's and don'ts. Um, well, number one, be willing to take a risk. Uh, you had the, the, um, um, the little intro that you did. You were talking about some stuff. They were great. They were almost the things that I, almost all those things that I would point out, you know, be willing mm-hmm. to take the financial risk and take the leap. Um, you need to be attention to detail oriented. If you are the guy who thinks you're the high level thinker and somebody else needs to look at the details, do not start a business. You're mm. not, you might be the thinker, the dreamer. You are not a business leader. Someone else is a business leader. You need to find them and have them start the business and you just come up with the dreams. Um, because the details, the devil's in the details. It will get you. It'll bite you. And you need to be stubborn and relentless for success. Um, the reason why I say stubborn and relentless is you have to be willing to sacrifice, to give everything of yourself to make it successful. 
the first four years of me running my business, I didn't bring home an income. Mm. My wife did not like that. (laughs) So it was a family affair. Um, All of us were involved in, in the success of the business in one way or another because I put my whole self into it. And now I, I do receive an income finally, but, you know, four years is a long time. It's probably longer than most should, but be prepared for a long, uh, a long stretch without any income as an entrepreneur. That's not unusual. That is the way the cookie crumbles. And, you know, you brought up uh, uh, the last point because I have worked with people, um, um, you know, starting businesses, growing businesses, uh, making that uh, transition from corporate to being an entrepreneur. And the, it, it become, it's important for the family to understand and be supportive, especially during the very lean couple of years because it's pretty scary for someone who's had a steady income and a family that is used to steady income to, to say, oh, my Lord, you know, <laughs> where, how are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Um, just real quickly, how did you get your family on board um, um, in terms of understanding this? Number one, you're right. It is terrifying to make that leap and not have an income. Um, my wife is the most supportive and understanding woman on the planet. She's supported me in every dream that I've had in my life. So without her, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Um, and I've done a lot, and I really owe a lot of it to her support. She could have told me no at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also trusted in me, knowing that while I'm taking a financial risk that could potentially devastate the entire family, I'm taking an educated risk, and she trusts that I'll make that choice. So it's a good test of the relationship, for sure. If you don't have a strong relationship with your wife or if she's got uh, a living standard that she's not flexible enough to lower in order to follow you through this path, it may be a problem. Mm. So um, moving on to the next area that I'm really interested in is, uh, and I think the uh, listeners, is from your own experience as well as knowing others, what are the top three traits successful entrepreneurs have? Um, and you know, them. You, you, okay, so uh, why don't you quickly go through them again? Um, okay. Okay, the first one is willing to take a risk. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're gonna you're you're gonna not have an income. You're you're gonna spend your own money. You're going to go out there and try to do things that may embarrass you, um, <laughs> uncomfortable situations, uh, speaking in public, speaking in private, uh, reading contracts, signing agreements, having lawsuits. Uh, all of those things are part of being an entrepreneur. Um, at some point, sometime you will probably get sued or sue someone. You know, so be don't be afraid of that. That's part of the process. It's actually kind of part of the fun. <laughs> um, attention to detail, right? Yes. Right to that last statement. If you don't pay attention to detail, um, you'll probably be the receiver of the lawsuit, not the instigator of it, and you probably won't vote, vote very well with it. So um, you have to pay attention to the details. You have to look at the money. Um, I watch the books, and I don't watch the books every day anymore, but last year, this time, I looked at the books twice a day. I checked the bank accounts twice a day, um, just making sure that I remembered exactly where we were four hours ago to make sure we're still on the same track as we were four hours ago. Um, right. So it's, you have to be detail-oriented both with the financials, but also what your people do. 
um, one mistake by an employee could cost you your business. If somebody gets hurt, if someone damages something really expensive, if your insurance doesn't cover it, if you didn't put your insurance together properly, insurance companies I found are constantly looking for reasons not to pay out your policy. And my, mm-hmm. my drivers have had a couple of accidents and I've been really fortunate that my insurance has covered them uh, with the exception of one trailer that was not covered. I borrowed a trailer from my mother. The driver got into an accident, totaled the trailer, and that had to come out of my pocket. So, sorry, Mom, I didn't mean to break your trailer. Um, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> right. So, you know, we're at the point now cause that, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your insights and for your openness, uh, Walter, about, you know, what it's your entrepreneurial journey because I know there are people out there that are interested in it. As I said, they're thinking about uh, becoming an entrepreneur or they've already, you know, they're starting a business or even they've started it and they are uh, growing it. And the challenges and both the challenges and the the, the um, opportunity. So if people want to contact you, how can they do that? And, you know, just uh, quickly tell a little bit about, you know, your business, what the website is, things like that. Well, our, our website is our company name. Um, we have two of them uh, because we have a couple of com- companies. We have AmericanBiosource.com and DieselGreenFuels.com because we just acquired them. And uh, you can reach us by phone at uh, area code 512-247-FUEL. Oh, okay. That, that should be easy to remember, right? Right. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and, and one last thing, can you say the second uh, website a little slower? Because I was trying to write it down, and so Absolutely. just for the listeners. Dieselgreenfuels.com. Ah. And you can find us on Facebook as well, both American Biosource and Diesel Green Fuels. Well, I want to thank you again, Walter, because... Um, I just, you know, you're talking about what I'm interested in and also about an industry which I know very little about. So I've learned so much from you. And so now um, we're going to let me move forward to next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business. And it is, quote, you should never be the smartest one in the room. My guest, Daniel Moore, is a real estate investor and creator of a software service company. He believes many startups never get past just that, startups. As entrepreneurs and small business owners, many of us have that can-do-anything mentality. Regardless of how skilled and motivated we may be, trying to grow a business while running it is a struggle many startups face. The solution is to find people that are better at something that you and hire them. So if you are the smartest one in the room, you failed. Tune in. Um, Uh, next week at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, um, uh, and listen to uh, You Should Never Be the Smartest One in the Room. Now, here's a smart moose tip for your week. Hunt elephants and not ants. Every day, go after your high payoff priorities. Minimize the time spent on stomping ants, those tasks that give you a quicker kill and a higher body count, but don't put much meat on the table. Are you an elephant hunter or an ant stomper? Here's how to find out. Let's do a productivity audit. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at Smart Moves. 
www.thepowerhousecoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zidel, the Smart Moose Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.